1: Hello, Texas, and thank you for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Jessica Domel and I'm part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. We're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley.
2: Many cattle feeders believe they ought to be getting paid better prices in today's market, and it appears they're starting to buy into the idea that doing more sales by negotiated trade is the way to go. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
3: Restaurant owners, food suppliers, farmers, and ranchers have a conversation at the Texas Restaurant Association Marketplace Trade Show recently. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and
1: I'll have that story
3: on Texas Ag Today.
4: From West Texas, I'm Eddie Griffiths. We'll talk about moisture and weed control.
1: We'll have those stories, news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets coming up. First up today, we have a report of an invasive worm found for the first time ever in North Texas. They're called hammerhead flatworms. One was found in a Dallas area backyard in late June. Another was found inside a home in Lamar County. Jessica Humphrey, Lamar County Extension Agent, joins us with more.
5: It's basically a predator to our earthworms, which is not real good for our soil profile and our soil health. They are an invasive species, and they haven't been in our area, but they just recently been spotted. And I actually had a lady send me a picture of one in Lamar County. It looks like an earthworm, but instead of having a pointy head, it almost has like a hammerhead shark. You know how hammerhead sharks have, it looks like a hammer. That's what their head looks like. They say, do not break them. If they're going into the dirt, don't pull them and pull them apart, because when you pull them apart, whatever you pull off will grow ahead and become a worm. They say if you find them, dig them up hole, or catch them whole and put them in a bag, like a Ziploc bag full of salt, and that will kill them, and then you can dispose of
1: them. It currently is not a treatment for hammerhead flatworms that won't also harm earthworms.
5: It kind of caught us by surprise, and so I think they're doing a lot of studies right now trying to find, you know, a chemical or a bait or something like
1: that that will get rid of them and not hurt earthworms. According to texasinvasives.org, hammerhead flatworms Flatworms have been found from Orange to Uvalde in numerous Gulf Coast counties in East Texas and now the DFW area. If you find a hammerhead flatworm in an area that has not previously had them, report them to your Texas A&M AgriLife Extension office. Again, those are called hammerhead flatworms. They are long and they have a head that's shaped like a hammerhead shark but rounded. They can be up to 15 inches long and they are very narrow. They're typically light-colored with um, dark dorsal stripes. Again, if you find one in an area where they're not normally found, please report it to your extension office. Okay, now moving our conversation away from invasive worms, we have James Hunt reporting from Amarillo about Texas cattle feeders who are responding to the call for more negotiated trades. In
2: the ongoing debate over how to enable livestock producers to get better prices for the cattle they sell, There's been an effort led by NCBA, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, to convince cattle feeders to conduct more of their business with packers through negotiated trade. Ross Wilson is president and CEO of Texas Cattle Feeders Association, an organization that represents feed yards in Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico.
6: Our levels of negotiated trade got pretty low the last few years. Because there are other ways, the alternative marketing arrangements, grids, formulas that actually were netting our members more dollars. But that pendulum swung too far, and we need to and have been working hard to increase the level of negotiated trade. So we had a low of about oh two, three, four percent. But working through that project with NCBA and the other major cattle feeding regions, we're up now to 10, 11, 12, 13, 14."
2: And that's an encouraging trend for those who believe that doing more sales through negotiated trade will make price discovery more available to those with cattle to sell and ultimately help put them in a position to demand better prices. The push for increasing negotiated trade is also in keeping with what Wilson says Texas Cattle Feeders Association prefers, the beef industry seeking its own solutions rather than relying on a government fix.
6: If we can't get that done voluntarily, then certainly people are going to turn to statutes or or regulations, but those tend to become so inflexible over time and so difficult to go back and change.
2: I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: Texas farmers and ranchers continue to talk with consumers in Texas about the foods and fibers they grow every day. Tom Nicoletti has a report on an event that brought restaurateurs and agriculture together.
3: The Texas Restaurant Association welcomed about 3,000 people to its Marketplace trade show in San Antonio recently. TFB Network's Gary Joyner was in the Alamo City along with Dr. Emily Knight of the Texas Restaurant Association.
7: Restaurant owners and operators, food suppliers, and equipment reps were there, and so were Texas farmers and ranchers. On the menu were conversations about modern farming and ranching. Restaurant owners and chefs learned more about food production and the farm families behind it, and the farmers and ranchers were able to meet those who cook with their products. Texas is one of the hottest growth markets in the country with restaurant industry sales of 70 billion dollars. What do you hope the public learns today?
5: I think most importantly we are back uh, together and so there was a time we didn't know we were gonna be able to do this again and to see all of these incredible people here together and all these restaurateurs are looking for how to take their business forward and there's a lot that's changed in the pandemic and so they can come and either education they can come obviously learn about where food comes from.
7: The attitude of your members they're resilient they find away, don't they?
5: I say the word grit. I mean, and listen, they've been through something that I don't think we ever could have imagined, but they are resilient, their business models are changing, they're trying to evolve. We are passing a lot of legislation to help them do that, sell a- bunch of steak right out the door and I think what you'll see is restaurants making that connection because they need to be able to say to a customer hey by the way I know where that came from and so it's also just educating the public that's here about the role especially here in Texas that our farms play and our Farm Bureau is a huge partner for us so we're so glad you're here.
7: Dakota Massey of the Texas Farm Bureau a big exhibit at the Texas Restaurant Association marketplace what's some of the goals of the message today what do you hope the public comes away with when they see some of your nice items here?
5: So the goal here today is to connect the food that they are serving in their restaurant and connect it back to where it came from, from the farmers and ranchers of Texas.
7: Some of the exhibits specifically, do they have messages you think that would be important to that group?
5: So here at the exhibit, we have pieces of our Doorways to Agriculture exhibit. We have the theater, which will have some short meet a farmer clips rolling on that, really iconic things that we grow in Texas that are a little bit more specialized than what we normally think about. And then inside or exhibit trailer, they can find things that are connected to their house from agriculture, whether it's their garage, their kitchen, or even in their bedroom. So um, not necessarily all food, but also different byproducts as well.
3: That is Texas Farm Bureau's Dakota Massey, along with TFB Network's Gary Joyner in San Antonio. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas
4: Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: A wet summer is good for crops, but it also means more weeds. Eddie Griffos has more.
4: Well, this summer we have definitely been receiving plenty of moisture on this later crop, whether it be cotton, corn, sorghum, it's all a little bit later than usual, but we've received plenty of moisture on this crop. Probably the big concern with producers across West Texas is weed control and trying to get everything under control, especially after all the recent rains. With the advance in chemicals and being able to spray, that definitely does help, but still you have some. Some of those stubborn weeds out there that are growing faster than producers can really get out there and take care of them. So you are seeing lots of spraying going on across West Texas as far as the crop is concerned, as I mentioned earlier. A little bit later, the cotton seems to be behind for the most part. There are fields out there where they are on time, but as far as seeing blooms back on the 4th of July, we did not see that. Some of the older cotton will be going into bloom in the next week or so. So we're going to be needing a pretty long fall where our average freeze is on the 30th of October. If we can at least make it to the 30th of October or a little later for that first freeze, that would be beneficial to this cotton crop. The other crops seem to be holding in well, especially the corn and sorghum crops. This is a good year for the grain crops with all the rain over the past few weeks. Temperatures have been mild compared to what we started out with during planting so the crops have responded well to that. From West Texas, I'm Eddie Griffiths.
1: Time is running out to sign up for the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Conservation Reserve Program. The general sign-up period ends July 23rd. USDA's Farm Service Agency made several changes to CRP this year. They say it's to make it more appealing to all producers. USDA's goal is to enroll up to 4 million new CRP acres by raising payment rates and expanding the incentives that are offered. CRP is capped at 25 million acres for fiscal year 2021. The cap will gradually increase to 27 million acres by fiscal year 2023. Again, CRP general sign-up ends on July 23rd. You can sign up at your local Farm Service Agency office. A Texas deer has tested positive for anthrax. I'll have that story coming up next. There is now another option for pets that have a congenital eyelid problem called entropion. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: An eyelid problem in pets that normally would require surgery may now be fixed via an alternative method. Texas veterinarian, Dr. Bob Judd joins us with more.
8: Entropion is a common eyelid problem that can affect upper and lower eyelids and involves the eyelids rolling inward toward the eyeball. This condition is usually congenital, meaning it was present at birth and is likely hereditary, indicating that dogs with entropion may pass the condition on if used for breeding. An eyelid rolling in toward the eyeball can lead to multiple issues, including inflammation, pain, damage to the eyeball, and potential blindness. The lid and the hairs on the lid when rolled in will contact the conjunctival tissue around the eyeball, leading to inflammation, pain, and ocular discharge. If the hairs on the lid touch the cornea, then inflammation also affects the cornea and can lead to temporary or permanent damage from pigment deposition on the eyeball and corneal ulcers. In most cases, surgery is required to remove some excess tissue and, and roll out the eyelids to prevent them from turning inward however some cases are not surgical candidates including very young or very old animals due to concerns with anesthesia in these cases the use of an eyelid filler can be used to fill the eyelid with injectable material and prevent the hairs from entering the eyes. The eyelid filler usually lasts about six months, and then hopefully surgery should be performed to permanently correct the problem. The product is called Restylane, or Restylane Silk, that is approved in humans by the FDA and has been studied in animals. The veterinary product is called Alina and contains a large amount of hyaluronic acid that can be ejected in the pet's eyelid to roll the lid outward and temporarily prevent damage. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you, Dr. Judd.
1: A captive white tailed deer has tested positive for anthrax in Valverde County. It is the first positive case of anthrax in Texas this year. Dr. Andy Schwartz, Texas Animal Health Commission state veterinarian and executive director, says anthrax is a disease caused by a bacteria that affects most mammals.
2: So in the outbreaks, we normally see cattle, horses, and sometimes sheep and goats affected by anthrax, but certainly deer are susceptible and it's seemingly becoming more and more common that uh, deer are involved in these outbreaks. Part of the reason, I think, is that uh, there are more white-tailed deer on the landscape these days.
1: The bacteria that causes anthrax is a naturally occurring organism with worldwide distribution. In Texas, it is most often found in portions of Crockett, Valverde, Sutton, Edwards, Kinney, and Maverick counties, but it can be found in any part of the state. It is common to see an increase in anthrax cases after periods of wet, cool weather, followed by hot and dry conditions. Animals may get anthrax by ingesting the bacteria when they consume contaminated grass and hay or inhale the spores. Mammals, including humans, may be exposed if they come into contact with an infected animal's carcass or bodily fluids. Livestock owners are encouraged to contact their veterinarian and the Texas Animal Health Commission if they suspect a deer or other animal has contracted anthrax. Symptoms include acute fever and rapid death with bleeding from body openings. Livestock owners are encouraged to vaccinate their livestock against the disease. Additional details are available on the Animal Health Commission website. Wednesday was an interesting day for the commodity markets. Around noontime, cotton was recovering. Corn was still trading mixed. How did things shape up by the end of the day? I'll take a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
2: Healthy soil is essential to ensure food security and produce more food with less land. Today, farmers are combating erosion and compaction while restoring soil fertility and capturing carbon more than ever. Learn how at the virtual Soil and Water Conservation Society Conference, July 26th through 28th, by visiting swcs.org. This message is from Syngenta, urging you to explore one world connected
0: through conservation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
1: Wednesday was a strong day for the livestock markets. August live cattle were up 27 cents to 120.05. October live cattle up 55 cents to 125.25. December live cattle up 62 cents to 131.05. Feeder cattle closed higher Wednesday because corn was trading steady for much of the day. It also found support in increased live cattle contracts. August feeder cattle up a dollar twenty-five to one fifty-six seventy-seven. September feeder cattle up a dollar fifty-two to 30 October feeder cattle up a dollar thirty-two to one sixty-one ten. Box beef was higher on Wednesday. Choice up a dollar seven to two hundred and sixty-five dollars and ninety-five cents. Select was up $0.99 to $249.57. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble.
6: When you hear the cattle beller, it's time to talk to Wayne Geiswight, Fredericksburg, Gillespie Livestock. Wayne, how'd your cattle sale go this week?
9: Well, we have 1,750 head today, Larry. Cow market was very active. Most of them bring in the 70s and the kind of medium, medium kind of cows bring in the 60s, but then the lightweight cows bring back from there. That two three bulls bring well over a dollar, up to $1. seven. The cow market had a lot of really good calves. Had a pin of 38 steers, uh, weighed 620 and bring 164. Lots of those cattle bringing in the 60s and, multi, and the high 50s. Some weights up all into the... High 40s, the five weights kind of up in the low 170s, the four weights, uh, you know, it's still a lot of fat, four weight calves, but still have some weighing 450 that bring up 184 or 5. The heifers, 700 pound heifers, bring oh, a lot of them in the 120s up to 128, six weights up in the high 130s, about a half, one or two hit 140. Uh, by weights, uh, lots of them I in mean, the 45 to 55 range. You know, it was just really a lot of fun. And you don't want you to really commend the cattle that the people brought in today. The only problem that, toward the end, I started seeing lots of bulls. Mm-hmm. But we have quite a few bull buyers today.
6: Now, next week, what do we anticipate?
9: On the sheep and goat sale, I'm thinking three to four thousand. We'll back off because the holiday's basically over. We do have a few people that will be buying a few for the holiday. They're going to kill them immediately. That will kind of back off on our numbers, I'd say. And the cattle market, cattle, uh, I'm sure we'll get 1,000 to 1,500, depending I on mean, um, you know we'll how people are going to react to the market. We should have a really good run of cattle, actually, too.
6: Wayne, guys, White, tell everybody how to get a
9: hold of y'all. We're at
6: Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. My name is Larry Marble, and I'm your host. I'll see you tomorrow
1: lean hogs rallied Wednesday on good demand and African swine fever outbreaks in other countries. China announced Tuesday that they've seen 11 outbreaks of African swine fever over the last year. August lean hogs up $1.57 to 106.57. October lean hogs up $1.37 to 92.40. Block cheese was down six cents Wednesday to $1.52. Barrel cheese down one and a quarter cent to $1.37. That's the lowest since August of 2020. Class three milk was under pressure for much of the day Wednesday. Most contracts closed lower. July class three milk down a dime to sixteen fifty six a hundred weight. August class three milk down sixteen cents to sixteen thirteen a hundred weight. October cotton up twenty-two points to eighty-nine oh nine, December cotton up eighteen points to eighty-eight sixty-nine. Corn closed steady to higher Wednesday on reports of drought in the Midwest with no rain in the forecast. September corn even at five seventy-one and three quarters, December corn up two and three quarters to 5.68 and a half. Wheat rose for the sixth straight day Wednesday on adverse weather conditions in other wheat exporting nations. Hard red wheat for September up eight and a half to 668 and three quarters. December hard red wheat up eight and a half to 679 and three quarters. By the way, for those of you watching spring wheat last week, the U.S. Department of Agriculture forecasted That U.S. spring wheat would shrink to a thirty three year low. August soybeans down four and a quarter to fourteen thirty nine and a quarter. November soybeans up one and a quarter to thirteen eighty nine and three quarters. August natural gas up seven cents to three ninety four. September natural gas up seven cents to three ninety two. September crude oil up $3.04 to 70.24 a barrel. October crude oil up $2.91 to 69.53 a barrel. Now let's check those financial markets. The Dow up 273 points to 34,785. The S&P 500 up 33 points to 4,356. And the NASDAQs up 115 points to 14,614. Well, that wraps up this look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then.
0: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.